Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, September 24, 2020. But of course, it's a podcast. You can be listening to it anytime. As I like to do before I start the interviews, is give you a sense of what's going on in the world uh, as we have this conversation. And uh, so the front page of my beloved, well, this is not my beloved bright one. The, pro- the front page of the Chicago Tribune, home delivered, uh, says Ginsburg honored at high court. So this will be appropriate to the conversation we're having. And it's a picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her flag draped casket uh, carried by Supreme Court police officers. They arrives in the Great Hall of the Supreme Court for viewing. She'll lie in repose. And so uh, people who really admire her and love her and love her and appreciate her legacy can walk by and uh, pay their respects and that leads me to uh, the introduction of my distinguished guest somebody who very much loves adores respects you name it uh the life and legacy of ruth bader ginsburg so as i do with all my distinguished guests i'll ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself go ahead distinguished guest this is terry cosgrove president and ceo of personal pack and i'm so glad to be back on the Benjarovsky show for- with my white pants on and ready to rock and roll. And and for the record, he's wearing his JB for Governor t-shirt, uh, which is a subtle little jab at uh, me. It's a very subtle uh, Terry Cosgrove jab because we were on opposite sides in 2018. He was like, Ben, put your big boy pants on. Vote, vote for JB Pritzker. I voted for Danny Biss. And I am glad. Oh, God. I got to okay. say it one more time. I'm glad you're a candidate one. All right. Okay. He's doing um, a great job. He's doing a great job fighting the right wingers and also uh, managing the uh, coronavirus as, as one of the best governors in the country. So I need to, I think we need to recognize that. Now. All right. I will do. All right. Let's move on to talk some national news before we get into state news. Uh, Terry Cosgrove uh, uh, runs Personal PAC, which of course is the, the leading uh, PAC for reproductive rights in the state of Illinois. Uh, he's dedicated his adult life uh, to this important issue. Uh, he's been fighting this cause since the 70s, I want to say, or at least the 80s. So I don't want to make him too old to get mad at me after the show. Uh, let's talk about the life and legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Terry, before we get into the political dogfight uh, that will be uh, erupting uh, in the next few days about replacing her. Go ahead. Right. Well, um, the the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is really um, uh, the passing of a monumental American 
um, who has really changed the, the law and changed our culture in a lot of ways on behalf of women, LGBTQ people, um, labor. I mean, I could go on um, civil rights. I could go, you know, on and on. So it's a, it's a real loss uh, to democracy and to fairness, especially when you consider that uh, her likely replacement, it's not a done deal yet, but we'll get to that. Um, is going to be someone who who I just saw an uh, article recently that literally is on the opposite end of every issue that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. And, uh, and having this court be a six to three, you know, right wing majority um, is really frightening. And I think we're in for uh, a very, very rough ride um, ahead. And um, and so many things that we take for granted um, are um, are basically on the chopping block. I mean, I think Roe v. Wade. I, I want to start out by saying Roe v. Wade has not been available to millions of women for decades. Uh, Low income women, young women, and rural women have been denied their right to reproductive health care for decades. Um, so for them, uh, Roe was just a, a promise that was is not fulfilled. And then for women who live in rural areas for their, I mean, in urban areas for the most part, uh, Roe has been left standing by a thread and, um, and it's now gone. It is gone. And I think that's one thing people have to realize. And I, and, you know, just from the reaction from, uh, from Justice Ginsburg's death that I've received personally, people who um, haven't done anything in years are calling and emailing me saying, Terry, I want to do something. Um, I bought a ticket to your luncheon, but I want to do something else. And I haven't seen this kind of out, um, this kind of outpouring of of fear anger, and support since the Webster decision in 1989, which is um, just uh, a few months later, when I took the job at Personal Path, 31 years ago, so uh, so we're in for a rough time, and um, I think everyone needs to step up and and crawl across broken glass in order to cast a vote on November 3rd. It's absolutely critical that we win this election. If we do not win this one, uh, the future looks very, very dim. And I think the rails of democracy are so weak right now. And it's just going to take one more stolen election, one more stolen Supreme Court justice to just uh, to just really put into question if we are living in a democracy. Uh, one more stolen election. Very well put, because the one in 2000 was stolen from Al Gore. Democrats laid down in that one, in my humble opinion, Terry. Oh, I think they've learned a lesson or two from 2000. Let's hope. We'll get into that. Uh, but I just want to come back to something you said. Uh, Roe is gone. I want you to elaborate on that and also talk about specifically the uh, cases that are coming before the Supreme Court uh, that uh, a new justice could make a difference on talk about this. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of row gone, uh, we will go without row. That means each of the 50 states can and um, can set their own um, abortion laws, basically. And what we know is that Illinois is the only state in the Midwest. And even in Illinois, we're hanging by a threat. House Bill 40 and the Reproductive Health Act passed by two and four votes, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and those bills basically said that uh, abortion remains safe and legal in Illinois, um, even after Roe calls fell. We are the only state after this, after Roe is completely overturned and it's 90% there already, given all the restrictions that the court has already okayed, um, Indiana, Wisconsin, Missouri, Kentucky, Abortion will become illegal there, and Illinois will be the only state in the middle of the country where women will be able to come uh, in order to get a safe and legal abortion. So that's that's where we're at. So that's what it means um, in terms of of the national picture. What was the second part of the question, Ben? I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, what ju- what cases are coming before oh, the Supreme Court? Yes. Well, I, I, I have to be honest with you. There are so many cases that I can't even keep up, and the really frightening thing is is that um, they are all uh, now in the uh, federal appeals courts. And we know that those courts have been packed with 200 new right-wing judges under McConnell and Trump. And as Mitch McConnell's uh, proudest accomplishment, as he says. So the, the, the theory around these cases is that uh, that's the most uh is that they're getting rid of the undue burden uh, standard, which was basically set since Roe, saying if it's a, it's if it's an undue burden, then then a state law is unconstitutional. They're basically have gotten rid of that, and now the biggest front that they've opened is to say that uh, once they overturn Roe, that and this and this affects so many different areas of of healthcare and education and, and employment, they're saying if someone has a religious or personal moral objection, then, then they shouldn't be allowed to participate, then they shouldn't have to participate in, uh, in you know, in any, it take, and to abide by any law. So in other words, if you're an employer, and you don't like the fact that you have a Jewish person or a Muslim working for you, you can fire them saying you have a religious or moral objection to their religion. Um, obviously, the same thing would apply to uh, to discriminate against uh, LGBTQ people. It could apply to an employer who objects to an employee who uses birth control, who's had an abortion. I, it, I could go on and on, but there are so many cases that are structured around that idea that 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 literally destroys uh, the wobbly wall that we call the separation between church and state. No, there's such frauds. And this is me speaking, not Terry. And so uh, I don't yeah. want to get Terry in trouble. There's such freaking frauds. They go, they have a religious right to de- deny, let's say, baking a cake for a gay couple because it offends their religious yeah. right. But somehow or other, a merchant in a store does not have a right to tell a customer who comes in that he or she has to wear a mask. The fraudulent hypocrisy of the Republican Party, they stand for nothing, Terry Cosgrove. There's not a principle involved. All it is is tactics in a political battle. And here's my question to you. And I'm going to vent my frustration as a Democrat. Democrats for so long, have played this game as like it's a legit game. Oh, well, the Republicans have a principal opinion. How many Democrats have told me stuff like that, Terry? I mean, it, it's nauseating. And are, do you think that we're at a moment where the Democrats are going to realize that they're in a battle with a bunch of, what, gangsters? Right. And you got to fight, uh, fight them hard on, their, uh, on the rules of the game that they're fighting on. Go ahead, Terry. Well, Ben, um, I have built my career, and some will say controversially, 
by not giving a single quarter to right-wing Republicans and, and some Democrats, I might add. But um, especially in this new era, the last 10 years, it's all, uh, it's all right-wing Republicans. And, um, you know, I have seen up close, they harass women who are trying to get medical care. They lie, they pick it. They, they've murdered um, 11 doctors in the last, uh, since Roe. Um, they, they, they go to state assemblies and they say that if a woman has an abortion, she'll never be able to get pregnant or she'll get breast cancer. I mean, I have seen this hypocrisy, this, this dishonesty and, uh, and harassment and violence up close my entire political career. So I, it's, it's, you know, I, I want to write a column that says that, um, that, that if you're just now realizing that right-wing politicians are killing us, um, are putting our lives in danger, you haven't been paying attention. In the 80s, they were wishing that every single gay person would die of AIDS. They, they, have, um, they have forced uh, women into back alley abortions. They have done, so I've seen this up. I, I have had absolutely no faith in uh, in the sincerity of right wingers, I mean, they they claim all the time they want to reduce the need for abortion, but um, they won't join us in supporting access to birth control and comprehensive sex ed, which would bring down the abortion rate by fifty percent. We know that. Um, I'm not saying that abortion is bad and it shouldn't be available, but it just points out their hypocrisy. So I, you know, I I've seen it up front, and that's why I think that the Democrats. I don't. I. I don't think that if if the Democrats take control of the national of the United States Senate and Biden wins the election, I really don't think that the Democrats have any choice whatsoever but to fight back and and stop pretending that we're playing under normal fair rules. I know I have said it over and over on your show. I'm going to say it again. You expect me to go out to you expect me to go to a knife fight with a leg and a cast, my arm tied behind my back and a toothpick. I can tell you right now we're not gonna win. And that's what the Democrats have to realize. They 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 need to show up to the fight and they need to and and they need to for they need to stop pretending that there's some kind of normal rules. And I gotta tell you, I this election, you know, I I for Several years now, I've been saying, stop complaining about Citizens United. It's here to stay for decades, especially after Hillary lost and the, and the appointments that Trump got to the Supreme Court. So I said to Democrats, stop complaining about it. Go out and raise more money than they do. Get, beat them at their own game. And look what they've done in this election. They've raised more money hand over fist than Republicans. And now the Republicans are complaining about the Democrats raising too much money. So I feel that way about what the national Democrats need to do. They need to add three more Supreme court justices to the court and, and they need to get rid of the filibuster. And what they need to do is go to the American people and say, the Republicans gave up, our democracy, they gave up honesty, and they, they've stolen elections, they've stolen Supreme Court uh, justices, and we are here to do the following things. We are going to restore health care, including pre-existing conditions. We're going to restore the right to choose. We're going to restore the right for um, labor to organize. We're going to restore the right of 
people to marry whomever they want and list out all the things that the Republicans have robbed from the American people and say, we are here to restore it. If they do that, I believe the American public will be behind them 100 percent. And um, with all due respect, Ben, to how much I admire you, um, I read your <laughs> I read your reader column yeah. and I never want to hear again packing the court. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into that. That was my next question I was going to ask you. Uh, yeah. You beat me to the punch. Uh, I just wrote a column for the reader extolling many of the same things you're saying, but I culminated by saying pack the court. And uh, I use that term because that's the term left over from the fight. Uh, that's even before you were born or before I was born. Believe it or not, there was a time before Terry or I were born uh, when FDR, a president that uh, Terry and I are not old enough to have voted for, uh, attempted to pack the court. And uh, yeah, she's Terry's laughing at that one. Uh, I wasn't around for FDR. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, I hear you. You told me this. You chided me already. Uh, by the way, if you guys don't know this, Terry Cosgrove has been chiding me since 1989. He got that job with personal packs. The first thing he did was call me up and give me a hard time. All right. So, um, which is, he now he's nodding because he knows it's true. Uh, all right. If it's not packed the court, you know, you know the game, Terry. Uh, you know it's a game of messaging. Uh, and everything you're saying is true. The implications are all true that if the Dems don't keep the Republicans from just stuffing uh, the court with these Federalist Society robots, these Stepford wives that are mass produced. Uh, we are going to lose all these rights. Uh, we are going to lose our union rights. We are going to um, lose our, uh, we're going to be uh, our, our rights for freedom from uh, pollution. So what is a messaging that the Democrats should employ to win this battle that's just ahead of us? They should just call it the Rights and Democracy Restoration Act and and talk about the talking points that I just went through. We are doing this because the Republicans have left us absolutely no option. They have destroyed the guardrails of our democracy. And in order to restore it and our rights, here's what we're doing. We're, we're putting three additional justices on the court. We're getting rid of the filibuster. And I tell you, the f very first thing they should do is guarantee that every single American has the right to vote and get rid of and and absolutely guarantee that voter suppression will be finally written into the history books. That should be job number one. Because that's what has led to this problem with all the elections that have been stolen two years ago, the governor of Florida, the governor of Georgia. Um, I, you know, we could go on and on with this, the harms of this voter suppression, which are still going on. They need to get rid of that because that's what the Republicans are most afraid of is getting rid of voter suppression. Yeah. So, uh, so that needs to be job number one for the 2022 election. And I'll tell you, the reason why this is so important is because what is going to happen after 2020, every single state legislature in this country is going to redraw all 435 congressional districts, as well as every single state assembly, house and Senate district. And, that, and the, those maps that are drawn are going to be in place until 2032. So this election, so for Democrats to do this before the 2022 election in terms of voting rights is absolutely imperative to make sure that those that everyone gets a right to vote and that we undo the damage from 2010 
when Republicans seize control of the um, of the voting rights process in this country and didn't do it fairly, I might add. Yes, uh, and this is particularly important, uh, what Terry's alluding to, in states like Wisconsin and Michigan, yes. where even though the voters elected Democratic governors, uh, the, the gerrymandered maps keep the Republicans in charge of the, uh, the, the assemblies, and they use, they don't play around. Well, look what they did. I mean, to me, the most, you know, I keep saying the most disgusting, but every day there's something new. But the whole thing about the voters of Florida um, um, restored the voting rights of of um, felons who um, convicted felons. So what did they do? They turned around and they put a poll tax on it the next time. So they do absolute. And now they're suing Bloomberg because he's paying them. They said they said these felons can't uh, can't vote, even though they've they've served their time. They have done everything legally that they need to do. And now they're still trying to take away their right to vote because in many cases, they're people of color. So what happens? Bloomberg says, fine. You know, I'm a rich person. I'm going to go down to Florida and I'm going to pay all these fines. And what does the AG of Florida do today? File a lawsuit against Bloomberg <laughs> to try to stop him from doing it. Uh, I, they probably haven't met Mayor Bloomberg, but I don't think he's going to stand for it. So, uh, no, that is that says it all. Just think yeah. about how far. Like, just think about how. Why do they care if Mayor Bloomberg pays the the fines? What's right, like? What's right. the principle? Well, now they're accusing him of buying votes. Can you believe it? When in fact, it you know, and and the, you know, the obvious argument is he's not going buying votes. He's just saying you have a right to vote. Yeah. He's not telling you who to vote for. He's just allowing you to go into the voting booth. He's not standing there, uh, you know, looking over your shoulder, or giving you a pound card. He's just saying, hey, you get to you. You don't have to even exercise the right to vote. He's just saying, you know, if you want to cast a vote in this election, you are now free to do so. And that is offensive to these people. Yeah. Uh, they are a bunch of frauds. Uh, all right. And before I uh, do it, the, nat- the natural pivot at this point to talk about state house races, because uh, you, you talked about gerrymandering, how important it is uh, for Democrats to maintain control of legislatures. So when the maps are redrawn, and when governor's races, so when the maps are redrawn, they're not drawn to the advantage of uh, Republicans. Just talk briefly, uh, Terry, about what you anticipate uh, in the next couple of weeks regarding the battle in Washington over filling Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. Do you think the Republicans are going to move quickly to get this done before the election, or do you think they're going to wait for lame duck? What's your thoughts? No, I think they're going to do it before the election. And and the reason being, if you, um, if you look at uh, the potential outcome, I mean, they are guaranteed that they have someone on the court for two reasons. They can't be messed with. If they, if, there's no chance then that something can happen on election day or after where they won't be able to do it. Um, And, uh, and then the, and then the second reason is, is they want someone on the court to hand the election to Trump. Um, So I think, so I don't think there's any way that uh, I think, you know, if Mitch McConnell is sitting there weighing, do I want to, do, do I want to more endanger my majority or do I want to get this Supreme Court appointment? Um, I think he's going to go with get this Supreme Court appointment and then and then take the, the lumps, assuming there are any, uh, with the people. But I really think the strategy to stop it, though, and that's what I think we need to talk about. Yes. Is, and I've been meaning to do this, but I think the 
I, I think the Democrats need to spook every single Republican who is up for election in 2022 with this vote. And they need to be on TV right now in these states. And I know money is short and they're trying to win the 2020 election, but make it very clear, just like they did with Susan Collins. I mean, when they're the organization in Maine and I contributed to it, said we are going to raise three million dollars for Susan Collins opponent, whoever that was. They had no idea it was going to be Sarah Gideon at the time. This is right after this is why the Kavanaugh vote was going on. And and. Not that that changed her mind on the vote, but um, hopefully she will lose. And then and people have to see right now that she's trailing in the polls. And hopefully that will spook a few people in that Republican Senate class of 2022 who say, I don't want to go down the same road Susan Collins did. And they, you know, I, I think the other argument now that Trump is saying openly wants to, to steal the election um, I think every, who, whoever the nominee is that Trump puts up, that person has to be held accountable that they'll recuse themselves on any vote that comes before them that has to do with the election this close. And they have to say very publicly that they will recuse themselves. And if that person won't say it, then that falls into question and maybe... Mitt Romney and a few other people will go, wait a minute, I am, I, I'm going to be voting for someone that's going to put the on the scale on the election. So I, those are the two routes that I see. To that's good advice. That's sound advice. And yeah. I, I got to say that. They make uh, an issue out of it. If they they yeah. have to blow it up and shove it um, in these people's faces. Are you really going to vote for someone who's going to put her thumb on the scale on you know, six weeks from now, and you have to recuse yourself. So I think they turn this into the contract, as well as her, if it's uh, if it's who they're talking about, as well as her, um, you know, her conviction to overturn Roe and against uh, marriage equality and all of that. But I think that would be, and that might be one way to get two more people uh, to back off and say, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea and say, we'll do it after the election then. Well, here's here's the interesting thing. Uh, I agree with everything you said. It's sound advice, and I hope the Democrats pay attention instead of employing the the, the wimpy strategy they did in 2000 with Gore, uh, which has just prevailed in the Democratic Party for far too long. But I hope they're paying attention. And there is precedent uh, in 1991, as you know, Terry Cosgrove knows his history, uh, with the Clarence Thomas uh, hearings, there was a price to be paid for many of the uh, politicians who voted yes. for Clarence Thomas. Uh, and I think that it helped Bill Clinton win in 92. And as I pointed out in a reader story, uh, Bill Clinton nominated, guess who? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So right. it all comes around. And um, uh, so, but if they follow your strategy and they get Susan Collins, just follow me on this one, T. Yeah. If they get Susan Collins to stick, which I'm you know, a little wobbly over her, uh, and Lisa Murkowski, I believe in her, and they can come up with two more Republicans. Because at 53, you need to get four. You need four to get it to 49. You need to come with two more Republicans who are nervous about 2022 or even 2020 to mm-hmm. back off. You know McConnell will do a lame duck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? Once we get past the election, then it becomes a whole different strategy. And, you know, and the other thing is, you know, Cory Gardner, 
um, is going to be uh, is going to have to wait. Does he want to does he want to go ahead and do this knowing that he's probably sealing his fate or does he say, let's wait until after the election? So I know people are really down and they think and listen, I, all of this is is a long shot. I'm not going to try to kid anyone, but I don't think we should give up on all the possible levers that can be pushed here in order to get the job done. And I know there's wiser people than I that are probably working on this right now. But, uh, but you know, there's there's um, not just Corey Gardner. I don't think the you know the guy from Montana is gonna is gonna care much. So um, Danes, uh, but there's you know there there might be you know there might be one or two others out there that uh, that might get cold feet knowing that you know these people have, I, and I know they don't care about it but they have to know that their place is going to be written in history that they that they actively work to destroy our democracy and uh, I don't think that's the kind of epitaph anyone wants on a gravestone or in the history books Fair enough. All right, let's move on. We'll probably be talking about this for a while, uh, Terry. Let's move on to the state house race. State house races. So this is uh, Terry's wheelhouse. He knows state house inside and out. And uh, so, tell folks again the importance of state reps. All Democrats always are worried about the presidency and lose sight of the state reps. <laughs> Democrats. Uh, so we have to help them to tell them the importance of the state house and well, talk about some of the key races. Go. Yeah, I will. The first thing I want to underscore is there is this incredible myth out there that um, Illinois is such a blue state. We're like California. We're like New York. Shut up. We are not. And I'm going to tell you why. The bill that passed in the General Assembly that said that LGBTQ history had to be taught in schools passed with exactly 60 votes in the Illinois House, not a single vote to spare. Um, both of those bills sailed through the California and New York uh, Assembly. The other one is HB 40, your favorite bill, uh, Ben. Uh, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> which actually, I've gotten some emails from a few people since uh, RBG's uh, passing saying it was really prescient to pass that bill because Illinois was one of four states um, that had a trigger provision that said the day that um, that Roe was overturned, abortion and most former forms of birth control would become illegal in Illinois. We are one of four states. Had we not passed House Bill 40, we would be in trouble right now. And that bill passed with a two-vote majority in the Illinois House. I want to say that again, a two-vote majority in the Illinois House. Right now, there are 27 anti-abortion bills languishing in the in the Illinois General Assembly in Springfield. Um, they they want they seek to overturn HB 40. They seek to overturn the Reproductive Health Act, which has a very affirmative statement in it about abortion remaining legal in, in Illinois, regardless of what the feds do. Um, and so there are 27 bills and there are more anti-abortion, legal abortion, anti-LGBTQ, right-wing, anti-labor candidates running for the Illinois House and Senate than any time 
previously. So I just want to set the stage for what I'm about to say, which is really what's at stake in this upcoming election. Um, there are, um, I'm just going to talk in broader terms here. There are, you know, six to eight incumbent state representatives and senators, probably closer to nine or 10, who are facing serious challenges. So our job number one, now I'm talking about pro-choice state reps and senators. Um, so it's job number one uh, that we defend them. And it's people like Mary Lee Allen in Libertyville, uh, Tara Costa Howard in Glen Allen running against Peter Green, um, and, uh, you know, Joyce Mason, uh, uh, Katie Stewart down in Edwardsville. So there are incumbent heroes of ours that need to be reelected as well as Senator Dave Kaler in Peoria, um, who is just a champion on all the issues that we care about. And he's in a really tight race. And Melinda Bush has a serious challenge in Lake County, who is the sponsor of the Reproductive Health Act. And then uh, in the House, uh, I just went through some of those, but the really exciting news is about the House is we have uh, we have about 11 um, right wing Republicans on the run in the Illinois House. And uh, the, the, uh, the race that's gotten the most public attention in the last few days, last few days is Amy Grant in Wheaton. Um, racist um, anti-LGBTQ comments uh, uh, in a phone call to someone who was calling, I guess, to contribute money to her. And that, and her um, her um, opponent is Ken Mahil Beal, and he is an openly gay um, African-American man. And the reason why this district, Ben, you're going to appreciate this so much, the reason why this district is so important because Amy Grant, who run this, won the seat two years ago, had the blessing of Jean Ives because Jean Ives gave up the seat to run against your Bruce Rauner. <laughs> <laughs> And lost, <laughs> and now, and now, back again, running yeah. on Caston. So this, so, so the thought of um, homophobe, racist, right winger, anti-choice zealot uh, um, leader in the state's house district being taken over, uh, or being uh, having a uh, a wonderful. African American uh, gay man elected in her place is is just too beautiful. I, that's all I can say about it. Uh, listen, I felt this way for a long time. I just want to take this little moment to say that I had Ken on several times on this show, and uh, some people in the Democratic Party are going, "Ben, why are you wasting your time on a guy? He can't possibly win." And I'm like, "So, first of all, so what? So freaking what? And you can't win if you don't run." Uh, and so this guy has the guts to get in the race. Uh, he's going door to door in DuPage County and Jeannie Ives district, man. I was rooting from him. You telling me a black gay man replacing Jeannie Ives replacement. I was like, yes. Uh, and so, uh, Amy Grant, she, that revelation, it's popped up about uh, what the attitudes, the unspoken attitudes of many Republicans. Uh, so I'm hoping the good folks of that district rally behind him. Uh, and, and by the way, can I just say this? Jeannie Ives, 
Oh my goodness. We have so much fun with uh, her congressional campaign. She's running against Sean Cast, and she's got to move a little to the left, which is killing her, uh, Terry, because, you know, that district, I think it went for Hillary in 2016. So, so she's got this bizarre, like, series of commercials that are trying to soften her image and rewrite history. Doesn't talk about her vehement opposition to abortion or gay rights or criminal justice or just like, you know, like perky jean and got this weird obsession with footwear. She always talking about what, like her different shoes that she's wearing, a very bizarre campaign. I am just enjoying it immensely. You know what I'm saying, T? Right. Oh, I know. I know. And, you know, the, the other thing I want to point out, I don't think Jeannie Ives is going away. And um, I would not be surprised at all if she isn't, um, if she isn't a gubernatorial candidate in 2022, if, whether she wins or loses this uh uh, this election, so she and Todd Ricketts can uh, can uh, battle it out for the Republican nomination. So, um, oh, what a thought! Uh, what a, what a, what, imagine if I had no choice, but I had a vote. It's like it's like a sci-fi Twilight Zone episode, and Terry Cosgrove and I are locked away in a, in a room, and they were told you have only one election. You have to choose between Todd Ricketts and Jeannie Ives. What are we? Gonna, what a choice! Oh my God! Can I start drinking right now. Well, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if that's a choice, but uh, it's, all right. Uh, so, uh, any more races that uh, we should know well, about? Uh, you know, there's uh, there, yeah, there's a few others. There's um, in House District 45, which is uh, which is also part of um, of. Uh, DuPage County and surrounding areas. Uh, Diane Pappas is in, and Seth Lewis, uh, who's run for Senate twice, um, is running for this House seat. And, you know, there's several, um, I, I said Tara Costa Howard is taking on Peter Breen. Peter Breen decided to run again. And uh, the other one that I really want to point out that's, that's absolutely critical is Maggie Trevor, uh, lost by 43 votes in 2018 to Peter Breen. I'm sorry, to Tom Morrison. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're so alike. I always confuse them, honestly, because they're that they, they, they just fit together perfectly. They're both uh, leading homophobes. They're both uh, anti-choice. And they're leaders. They're outspoken. They sponsor bills, bills to repeal HB 40, bills to repeal the uh, Reproductive Health Act. Uh, Maggie Trevor is in a rematch with, uh, with Tom Morrison out of Palatine, and we really hope she wins it this time. A lot of people are working very hard for her uh for her to pull this off and i think that is i mean there there's a whole bunch of others alan skillicorn um who um who's been deciding up until the last minute even when ballots are printed whether he's going to run again and then there's uh, and that's about it i'm harry benton in 97 which um Kane Kendall. uh that's a Against uh, against Mark Batnick, who's been um, outspoken uh, in his opposition to choice and a sponsor of anti-choice bills, he's one of the sponsors of the twenty-seven bills. So that's it. Um, there's a lot on the line, and uh, and it's really important that we have an overwhelming pro-choice majority. Uh, Democratic majority so that that map can be drawn. And the other thing for people to keep in mind with this, Ben, which I think is really critical, is um, 
it's been harder and harder to win uh, to win races downstate by uh, by progressives, by progressive Democrats, by um, moderate Republicans, and all of the gains that we've made have been in the color counties and Cook and Chicago. And oh, I forgot Michelle Darbro. Oh my God, Michelle Darbro, Chicago race is running against Brad Stevens, who's. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I forgot that one. Oh, I should slap myself. Um, Michelle Dalbro is an EMT, and she's running against Brad Stevens, who, is, uh, people may remember, is the uh, is the mayor of I will call it the fiefdom <laughs> because there's only about four thousand people that live there. And, yeah, Rosemont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a it's a very small village. Let's put it that way. And. Um, and people like his brother get paid two hundred thousand dollars a year to be the assistant, uh, you know, sanitation director, or whatever. Um, and so uh, that race is really important. It's the last remaining uh, anti-choice uh, district uh, in the city and part of Cook County. And Michelle Darbro is an EMT. She's a young woman. She's pro-choice and. Uh, She's running a really great race against him, and hopefully we'll get rid of Brad Stevens, of course, a right-winger. So, yeah. uh, All right, now a lot of names and a lot of district numbers uh, that Terry gave. So uh, I'm going to ask him to do two things uh, before we head out the door. Uh, number one, I'm going to ask to give that he give all the personal pack Internet information. So if you want to go to the website and get more details about these races and these candidates, you can. And I also want him to talk about uh, the personal pack luncheon yes. coming up. Yes. So you have an assignment. Go ahead. I deal with um, both of those. Our 27th annual awards luncheon, no one is going to want to miss. It's, it's going to be, of all these virtual events that have been going on, this is the one you're wanting, going to be a part of. Um, we are giving three uh, pro-choice leadership awards, basically. The, um, the uh, Jane Fonda is going to be there, and she is going to be giving the award to Heather Booth for um, her founding of the Jane Collective. And uh, Ben, only you and I are old enough to know. But the Jane Collective was a very, very important group that was founded actually in Chicago by a group of women who um, who assisted uh, women who needed abortions prior to Roe v. Wade. And what they did is they were able to set up a network of doctors that would actually perform safe abortions, obviously illegal. These doctors were putting themselves in great, uh, in great danger, as well as these women were uh, by, uh, by basically steering them there. And what these women discovered, and this is really the amazing part, is um, is they taught themselves how to do abortions because a first trimester abortion is uh, is less than a twenty second procedure and it's not the most complicated uh, medical procedure. And this isn't to take away um, any of the professionalism or the doctors that we all know and love that do that do abortions. But they're um, these women basically taught themselves how to do it and then started. Uh, started performing abortions illegally, putting themselves at great danger. And it's called the Jane Collective. And and there's a book out called The Story of Jane, actually. And so Heather Booth is getting that award. And the title of the luncheon is We Are All Jane. And then the second, uh, Cecile Richards is giving Brian Howard, who is the uh, CEO of Planned Parenthood of Arizona, who's a former Chicagoan. And Brian, and you'll love this, Brian is very, very close to one Senate candidate by the name of Mark Kelly. And he 
working very hard to make sure Mark Kelly um, wins that Senate race in Arizona, and which adds a little more intrigue to the Supreme Court thing because if Kelly wins because it's a special election, he will be sworn in sometime in November. We're not sure of the date yet, which means if that happens and there hasn't been an appointment, that means conceivably the Democrats would only need to find one more person in addition to Collins and Murkowski to say no to uh, to um, to the um, Supreme Court um, uh, nominee. Um, and then the final, which is a favorite of you and me, is Toy Hutchinson is getting our Pro-Choice Leadership Award, and none other than Kim Fox is giving her that award. And Toy has been a hero of mine for years. Um, I first met Toy years ago when we both were clinic escorts um, helping women who were um, who were coming to medical facilities to get abortion care. And there's, for those of your readers or your listeners and your readers that don't know, there are oftentimes demonstrators out in front. Of, imagine showing up for a medical appointment and having people scream at you and grab onto your leg and call you a murderer. Uh, that's what women have to go through in this country. 25, um, close to... 25 to 40% of American women will have an abortion in their lifetime, and this is what they have to put up with. Uh, so I met Toy there. She went on to be an amazing state senator. I know, Ben, you admire her for other things beyond choice, but she was the sponsor. Uh, she was the sponsor of both House Bill 40 and the RHA and gave some of the greatest floor speeches I have ever heard in the Illinois Senate on behalf of women and reproductive rights. And it's uh, an award long overdue. And I just want to point out that Personal Pat does not give awards to sitting elected mm-hmm. officials. So we had to wait for Toy and, uh, to no longer be an elected official before we could give her an award. So we're really happy about that. Well, yeah. Toy Hutchinson is a powerhouse. She was one of my favorite guests. She's, I, as I told you, T, since she went to work for Pritzker, uh, she doesn't come on the show because you got to deal with the Pritzker press office. But Toy, if you're listening, I know you are because you love Terry Cosgrove. You have a future in media. You should be working for MSNBC. You would be a powerhouse host. Uh, when is that a luncheon? October 21st. So you have a few weeks to go online at personalpack.org. Um, and I mean, not only is it going to be a great event, uh, but the the contributions that you make to it will really go to make sure that Illinois can remain a pro-choice state um, after Roe v. Wade, because I, I can't even imagine I mean, the, the responsibility that I think we should all be feeling in, uh, feeling in Illinois right now is the responsibility of we need to take care of the tens of thousands of women who are going to eat us and all these other All right, very good. That's Terry Cosgrove, personal pack. I'm probably going to bring you back before the 21st. We may have a surprise guest with us. Yeah. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> okay, we're just going to keep that between the two of us. Don't even uh, tell Dennis. I'll tell. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I think I already broke that one. Uh, all right. Very much. Uh, Terry Cosgrove, thank you very much. And folks, if you want more information, Personal Pack website's got all the names of all these races. Uh, I know we threw a lot of names and districts at you, but it's really important. Democrats, don't fall asleep. Please, state rep seats count, too. It's more than just a president. OK, learn a little bit. Terry, thank you so much. It's always thank a blast you. talking to you. Take care. That's okay. great. Terry Cosgrove. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.